well, somehow we continue to pull this off. And I, I, I don't know how we do it. It must be nice, right, to be Joe Rogan and you can just fly your guests in and just have them join you live in, yeah. in Austin, Texas every week. Every <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, just to get them. They're all over the country these days. You know, they're, they're everywhere. It, it's, it's hard to find them. Um, all right, good. Well, yeah, you look good. You sound good. And we got some technical stuff going on. Sounds like you maybe can't see me real well, but it's okay. You don't need to see me. Yeah. I as, don't, as long uh, as you can hear me. That's as long good. as you guys can hear me and see me, I'm good. But yeah, I won't you be able right. to hear and see anything. So You do can, look like you uh, have like you. an old school tower of CDs behind you, though. That's what actually you? a bunch of bags. I'm in the office. I'm at the oh, they're bags. Okay. Yeah, I'm at the... Uh, I'm at the ACL HQ. I'm in Josh Keck's office. Actually, those are a bunch of different bag from different bag manufacturers. So what are you doing in Charlotte this week? Working? Just being, yeah, just kind of being in the office. I haven't been here in a, in a little while. Get some, get some stuff done. See my mom as well. So, you know. How's mom doing? She's doing all right. She's doing all right. She'll be watching. So, hey, mom. Yeah, that's speaking, speaking of moms, um, that's, that's been a little interesting uh dynamic hasn't it because our families listen like you know we started doing this meet jeff and bernie segment yeah i, I, I hold back a little bit because you know uh, yeah you know i kind of I've as kinda, much as i haven't held held back i've held back a little yeah because all of a sudden it's like i don't think i realized how many people listen to the show until we started doing that right and including family members so yeah, yeah. kind of have to kind of have to be careful it's okay to say things about yourself, but when you bring everyone else in, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty that's difficult. true. I, you know, again, that's something we talked about with doing a podcast is that there's no filters, right? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, technically, I could throw this into a editing machine, Filmora, <laughs> you know, and and edit, edit the stuff out that we don't like. But, but I mean, we try to keep this as real as possible. So everything that comes out, there's there's no filter. It's 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 out there. So it's there. It's there. Yeah. So how you doing? Good, good. So I believe it or not, I actually wanted to. Uh, so we've got a guest this week, uh, Noah Wooten, who we've been wanting to have on forever. Yeah, uh, is going to join us here in about 10, 15 minutes. He's actually out in Los Angeles again with Shamar and all those guys. So yeah, um, we'll talk with Noah and what that's like being out there. But you know, Noah and I, and I'm not even sure he remembers this. I'll ask him. But I mean, Noah, Noah will always hold a special place in my cornhole. Uh, heart, I guess you can say, because my first ever event that I did, I probably told you this story, but the first event I ever did was in Myrtle Beach for the uh, college <laughs> championships, but they were doing an open along with that. Oh, that's so right. Noah, yeah. Noah was playing there. So I, so really the three people that I, the, the, the first three people I ever met in the sport were Jamie Graham, Noah Wooten, and Matt Sorrells. And I think if I remember right, Matt and Noah were just coming off a doubles world championship maybe? Um, that they had won together. They won something big together. I but, know Sorrell's had. I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I can't. It's so far. Yeah, maybe Sorrell's was coming off the championship. Maybe Noah was close. Anyway, but those are the three guys who I met. And, and they, they were all so great to me, Bernie, and and patient uh, and kind because, you know, I, I had to ask stupid questions because I didn't know much about the sport other than just playing at tailgates and playing in our backyard. Right. So, you know, as far as cornhole on a professional level and exactly how they try to execute and everything they were they were terrific to me so no will always have kind of a special place in me that's cool yeah yeah because yeah, so, they've uh, always been jerks to me that's so strange <laughs> right i'm sure they have just <laughs> right but anyway so i kind of but believe it or not i kind of wanted to geek out on cornhole a little bit yep 
And I think this is, I think this is a topic that, that, um, people who are, you know, whether you're a cornhole connoisseur, whether you're a professional player or whether you're not, whether you're just a, just a, a casual cornhole fan, I think you'll appreciate this. So, you know, the, the masters was this weekend, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, great performance by Scotty to win that. And we were all watching tiger and, you know, one, one of the reasons why we love to watch the masters is, is because it's a major. And, and, you know, there's the, there's Jack's all time major Mark yep. and, and in golf, I think they do a really good job of always, you know, promoting who's the all time winningest golfer. You know, we all know 82 wins, Sam Snead and, and Tiger's actually tied with him yeah. on the all time wins list um, in the PGA tour with 82 wins. But then Jack has the all time record. I think it was 18 majors, I think 18 and, majors, ni 19 times he finished second. God, that 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 might be even more impressive than 18 wins. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So so anyway, so ESPN, so, well, David Harris and and um, and the TV guys and I have always been trying to get on Trey and say, hey, listen, is there any way that we can get, you know, when we say Matt Guy is the all-time winningest player, what does that mean? You know, let's let's try and make it tangible. Let's try and put some numbers to this stuff. So so players and fans have a number to chase, a number to root for, a right. number to look at. And, and a number to follow. And so Trey uh, just just finally was able to just grind away. I mean, I, I, he does so many things, right, as we all know, wear so many hats. You all do there at the HQ. But um, he finally got around to doing it. So he actually put together, and I'm sure this will be up, up on the website at some point, but he actually put together an all-time wins list. Now, it's a little bit different for Cornhole because, you know, in golf, you just you win the weekend, right? You win the tournament. Yeah. But in cornhole, it's a little bit different because you have qualifying wins that lead you into the top eight, into the four, into the final four, and then to win a championship. So, so really, I think what he's going to do, I'm not sure if they finalize this yet, but instead of having an all-time wins list, I think we're going to have an all-time career titles list. So if you look at that, so we'll have we'll have the national, you know, our major, our major winners, and right. then we'll have our all-time career wins or titles list. So if you look at that, and I hope this is making sense, I'm, I'm actually having to kind of verbalize this for the first time, just kind of on the fly. And this is something we're going to we're going to practice and talk about on the air. But if you look at that list to now make a long story short, no surprise, Matt Guy leads. And I, I wrote it down. Matt Guy is number one on the all time career titles list. So this is open wins. This is shootout wins. This sure. is this is, you know, national wins. For those of you who are watching who are new to the sport, our, our national uh, events are basically the majors. Um, bowling even actually calls them majors. We call them national. Well, you have to be careful because there's another cornhole organization that calls them majors as well. So you might want to stick with nationals. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that, <laughs> that, yeah. I'm just kind of clarifying. So that's why we that's why we call it national. No, I mean yeah, it's majors in golf. It's it's uh, Grand Slam titles in tennis. Yeah, yeah. So it's nationals in in the ACL. So so when you take into account open titles. Shootout titles, singles and doubles, um, world championships, and and national titles. Um, Trey put together the spreadsheet. It's awesome. So Matt Guy, no surprise, is number one on the career titles list with 16. And he's also number one on the career nationals list. Again, our majors, nationals list with 10. He's got five singles and five doubles. So I think that's kind of cool. So now that gives us a number. Yeah. To really kind of, I don't know, does that make sense or am I just... Is no, this... it makes perfect sense. I mean, that's something, I mean, there has to be a benchmark, right? Yeah. And that guy's going to, look, I mean, it's not like he's going anywhere anytime soon. So he's going to set numbers that are going to be very difficult for players to attain. 
because you're going to have to stay in the game long enough to do so. Right. You know, and he's been playing a really long time. I mean, it's at, at such a high level for such a long time. You know, yeah, we, we've sure. seen players in the ACL kind of kind of play at the uh, at the top level where they're competing for national wins. And then the next season, they kind of disappear a little bit. You know, for Matt Guy, he's been able to maintain that level of excellence for such a long time. It's actually remarkable. Yeah, which which is cool, right? I mean, it makes it yeah. tangible to golf because whether whether you're a casual golf fan or whether you're a golf nut, you know, that's something that a lot of us can follow and something that a lot of us talk about is, you know, major winners in golf. And so I think, I don't know, I think this is just going to be something kind of fun and um, interesting to follow. Uh, Jamie Graham is actually not too far back on the career title wins. He's at 12. Um, I think I wrote down, yeah, so Jamie Graham is number two, and then Trey Birchfield, number three, and then it starts to drop off there. There's somebody with eight, and there's a bunch of people, six, five, four. Noah, who we're going to have on today, he has two career wins or career titles, one, one, you know, national, one major. So, but I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. I think that'll be fun to talk about and fun to show on the broadcast. And, yeah, and just, absolutely. Just, to, I, I think right. it's, I think it's something that uh, hopefully will be shared with the, the league at large at some point when, when yeah. they, when they make sure they have all the information correct that, you know, this, these are the benchmarks and it's so different in our sport. Like the one difference between our sport say, and golf is that you can win two, you can win two national titles at one event. You can win doubles and singles. Yeah. And, and if you're Damon Dennis, you can win three seniors, pro singles, pro doubles. Now, seniors so, is not included in this. Seniors is oh, going to be he did, he, he yeah, seniors this. is going to be just like in golf, how you have the senior tour. Yeah. Seniors is going to be different. This, this is just this is just career open wins, you know, pro open wins. Uh, shootout wins, singles and doubles, uh, national wins, singles and doubles, and world championships, same thing. So the seniors will be a separate number, j- just like it, just like in golf. Right on. But but yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So Matt Guy, cool. all time all time leader right now. And again, you know that that's the reason why it was so important to do now. And that's and that's what Trey and I talked about too. Is that you know all these numbers need to be put together, all these career numbers need to be put together now while the sport is still relatively new. Because right. you know you only have to dig back to 2016 ish into 17, right? To keep track of all of this, so it was, <laughs> it's really funny on the female side. Shelby Ryder is on the list because technically, she even though there are only like three females who com- who competed in one of the first uh, national well, hey, on the go. women's side, she apparently won it. I didn't even I didn't even know that. So it was funny to Good see for, those names. But anyway, awesome. but yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the perfect word that you mentioned, Bernie, is benchmark. And that's what we like to see. We love to see whether it's NASCAR, whether it's baseball, whether it's cornhole. We like to see that all-time career benchmark. And now we've got it. I don't know. I think it's. I think from like cornhole fans, when you talk to them, you know the players that. Well, obviously the player, but you know the players that know they're not really on that elite. They're not in that elite status on that elite level, but they play the game all the time. They love it. They play at their blind draws. You know they play. They play all the time, but you know they may not be professional. What have you? Yeah. You know, they like to see the differences as well. You know, are, are they singles titles? Are they doubles titles? Because yeah. because there are different players. I mean, we were talking about a few players the other night whose doubles record in the last couple of years has been fairly consistent at a very elite level, but their singles play has dropped off quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are certain players that for whatever reason just, just are either amazing partners 
or they just tend to focus better in doubles than they do singles. And then you have someone like a Matt guy who's going to be, you know, successful in both. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, that doesn't surprise me because if you look at tennis, there are really good doubles players, right? And, and, and very few, if any, I mean, I can't think of one who's made the crossover, who was a terrific, you know, like Jimmy Connors. We never talked about Jimmy Connors much as a doubles player, even though I'm sure he played. I'll, gi- I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I figured you know somebody. John McEnroe was probably the best doubles player of all time. All right, there you go. So there's one who, is, who did both. But there's a lot of people in tennis who are much better doubles players. And on the Absolutely. single side, they just struggle. Yeah. But yeah, so this will now, now put numbers to that and really make it tangible. I don't know. I just loved it. Yeah. Numbers so, guy. You're a baseball announcer. Former baseball. You, you got to have your numbers. Yeah. Now with baseball, I mean, you really <laughs> get into the minutia, right? I mean, you yeah. really chase that in a rabbit hole. But but with cornhole, I just thought it would be fun just to have, like you said, just have that benchmark number that we can put up as a graphic to really start making it something relatable for the fans. So when we talk about Matt Guy being the all-time winningest player and all of a sudden, boom, ESPN or CBS flashes that you know career major or career nationals wins and career all-time titles victories i mean that that's going to make it you know related ready you ready for something else to discuss yeah along those same lines at what point do you look at something and where does that line get crossed between career and hall of fame career yeah debatable right i mean because in in some sports you have certain benchmarks you have certain numbers that once you cross that parallel you're a Hall of Famer. They can't take it away from you. Golf, for example, I think if you win, I can't remember how many majors, but basically if you win X amount of majors in on the PGA Tour, you're an automatic Hall of Famer. You're in. You know, regardless of what you were like during the season. You know, if you only had, let's say, 10 titles total, but seven of those were majors, you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Compared to someone that might have 50 wins, but only a major or two. Well, they're probably still getting in anyway, but... You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I wonder, you know, at what point do we really start to look through that and say, all right, this is this is our Hall of Fame. This is going to be our first class because it's got to happen sometime soon. Right? Yeah, I agree with you. There's be a lot folks, of fun to debate. Yeah, I mean, because Matt, Matt Guy obviously is in. I mean, right. 16, 16 career titles and 10 career nationals. Yeah. And then Jamie Graham's right behind him. He's at 12, but then but, and Trey Burchill's at 11. But then, like I said, it starts to drop off a bit. And right. to your point... You know, so if Matt Guy is going to be that benchmark, if he's going to be what we compare everyone else to, you know, who who else do you let in? That that is that's going to be a great debate at some point. I, I can't wait for those debates because I'm going to be a fly on the wall in those debates. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say, we want to fly on the wall. Yeah, and all I'm going to do <laughs> is like just give a name and give some give some facts about them and some stats and yeah. say, I don't know, guys, sounds like a Hall of Famer to me. You let this person in, uh, and, and just just to make everybody mad, and then and then leave the room. But it's good to have that guy in the room. Oh yeah, there, yeah. Look, there's there's been so many rooms I was supposed to be in, but they knew I would be that guy that I did. I wasn't allowed in the room. <laughs> well, it, here's here's another that brings up another question. So who's allowed to vote? Are we gonna are we gonna have a cornhole voting hall of fame? Mm, that's a real. That's you even know? that's who, an even who's better be, question. Who, who's gonna be members of the voting committee for the ACL? Mm. Do, you let, do you let someone like me in? Who's 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 a broadcaster? Do you let do you let retired players? You know, at some point, do we have to have you know players? I would imagine, retire? knowing the ACL the way I do, I would imagine it's going to be a mixture. Yeah, it's going to be a mixture of staff. It's going to be a mixture of players, and it's going to be a mixture of you know ACL members. 
not necessarily, you know, ACL pros, but yeah. members. I, I, I would imagine they're going to set up some sort of committee that will that will vote on that. Can't wait for when that happens. Actually, <laughs> but, you know yeah, I mean, but look, I'm writing this all this up. down as we talk about it. Yeah, but again, when you do that, it opens up the. I mean, all these things are are just little elements, right, on the way to making this sport even larger, right. Yeah, I mean, all of it, all of it adds up. So I loved it. I don't know when Trey put that together, and he emailed it to me. We geeked out over this, and I mean, we were, we were just like two school hey, kids. It was awesome. Quick question for you. All right, weren't you on around the ACL on Monday? I was. How long were you on? I'm just curious. How long were you on? I was on like three minutes. They ran late. They caught. They cut to me. I said like two <laughs> words, and then I was out. I was like, man, that is brutal. Um, were you on like an hour, like a half hour or something? Yeah, yeah maybe ninety minutes. Yeah, that's that's, no, that's about right. No, it was longer than three. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I, I think I, I might be lying. It may have been five that I was, was actually on. It was longer than three minutes. It was longer than it was maybe. It wasn't long. It was, it was longer than three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they were running so late. <laughs> it was just like, hey, and he's here, right. and I came on and was like, hey. You know, thank thank God we had that one segment that lasted half an hour talking about nonsense. But yeah. see ya. <laughs> I do love their show. Their show was their show was awesome. I, I yeah, enjoyed because I logged down about I logged down about ten or fifteen minutes early, and just listened to them. And it's it's so good. It's I awesome. like to I like to listen to Trey and Anthony. I want I want Anthony to argue with Trey. Yeah, they do. They, he, 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 they'll, they'll argue a little bit. But it won't be combative arguing like you and I might do. Like, you know, you're really on opposite sides of an of an argument. They won't do that. Yeah, you're right. They don't argue. They kind of disagree with. I want to I, I want to see them really get into it, because, look, in for my money, no one knows more about the game than those two guys. And I know there's people out there that would say they do. You don't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you may know you may know a lot. Don't get me wrong, but you don't know more than those two guys. So I would love to just see them just kind of go at it, just be completely diametrically opposed on an argument. Right. And just have them argue it out and have Meese just kind of sit there and eventually, you know, call time. Right. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if we'll see that. <laughs> All right, I just got a text from Noah. You might have heard my phone ding. So he's trying, he's trying to get in. So so real quick, um, totally separate subject. So this week I'm having to take continuing education classes. For the whole real estate thing, uh, real estate, life yeah. active and everything. Can I tell you something? I, I don't know if it's what's going on, but do you feel like, like it was really hard for me to concentrate during the class? Like, because I haven't been in a classroom environment, we had, we had to read an article. We had to present an article. It was all about ethics, which is, which I know sounds boring, but it's actually pretty interesting. Sure. But so we had to read an article, you know, jot down some points, do some, you know, annotating. You are or, talking to the absolute wrong person about this because I, I couldn't stand paying attention when my brain worked in scholastic ways. You get yeah. you get past a certain age, you haven't been in a classroom in forever. That's just not how your brain works anymore. And it takes a long time to kind of rewire yourself to do yeah. that again. I I couldn't do it when I was supposed to do it. So I can't imagine what you I can't imagine what you were going through because what yeah. you were going through was how I felt all through my scholastic years. Like, oh it's a little scary. Like I'm wondering if there's any other adults like me who feel that because like, Everyone feels I, that. I, I wonder if it, I wonder how much of it has to do with the phone, Bernie, because you know, I, I, I read, I read the newspaper, I read Twitter. 
I get my news on. I mean, I do everything on my phone and everything's just so right there, you know, headline, headline, headline in our brains. And I feel like I told Kathy, I'm like, God, I'm like, like the article that, that I had to read, um, I had to read it twice. Cause the first time I read it, I'm like, wait a second. What's What did I just read? Yeah. You're skimming. You're not reading. Yeah. So it's like, have we totally reprogrammed our brains? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, these little, these little things as, as you know, it's funny. I think, people thought when all of this was created, it would make us closer together. And in some senses it has, Yeah. but it's never driven us further apart right. as human beings. I mean, you, like when was the last time that you were on a subway or in an airport, one of those little shuttles and no one's talking, no one's mm. even looking at each other. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Every once in a while at the airport, I'll just put my phone down and, um, that was actually an old broadcasting trick. I'll tell you here in a second, but so I'll just put my phone down and just look around and you're right. Everybody with their head down, everyone's just consumed in their phone. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. No, I, I once, I once, um, I can't remember who this was. Um, I got a really great tip from a veteran broadcaster back when I was a young play-by-play guy doing baseball. And um, he listened to one of my tapes. He said, I want you to do something for me. He, he said, because in baseball, we've got our scorebook in front of us, right? So the right. scorebook, so we can keep track of everything. So as soon as a guy gets a base hit, I mean, we all have yeah. kind of shorthand of keeping track of what happens. So it helps you kind of recap the game. I mean, it's just something fun that you do in baseball. And sure. I'm, I'm not sure anyone keeps score anymore. I mean, you know, dads and sons used to keep score. Oh, absolutely. When they go as fans. So so we do that as broadcasters. So you can recap and figure out what a guy's done. Um, but anyway, so he told me, he said, listen, next time you do a broadcast, put your pen down. You know, mark, mark when a guy gets a base hit and then put your pen down, put your hands together, look out across the field and just tell us what you see. And uh, it was brilliant. It really was. I mean, because at that at that point, I became a better broadcaster because I started talking about the grass and how the grass was green, how, how <laughs> yeah. it was cut, the colors telling of the uniform, telling the, a story sky, the lights, yeah. you know. The light shining in someone's faces. I mean, you know, whatever the fans. And and it was so funny as I started to do that. Anytime I'd come home off the road, anytime someone would ask me something about one of my broadcasts, it it never became about one of the games. It was always about tell me about that fan you were talking about who was wearing the red and white pinstripes who was like yelling, eating popcorn, yeah. and you know, it was pretty cool. Most people, like, you know, look, you're always going to have those people that are so into whatever sport they're watching that all they want to hear, they, they want facts, 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 figures, facts and figures, and that's all they want. I think the average person kind of wants that story. Yeah. They want to feel like they're there and they can't feel, because if they're listening to the game or watching the game, they know that information already because they're being bombarded with it, right? They, they're not bombarded sure. with what you're talking about, with the sights and the sounds, and they kind of make you feel more like you're there. Yeah. I tell you what, I was such a nerd when I was younger. You ever kept score of a basketball game? No, I never did. That happens fast. Yeah. And when so when I was like 11, 12, 13, I used to uh, pick one game per session watching the NCAA tournament, and I would keep score of that game. Score it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, with offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, everything happens super fast. In basketball, in basketball, ever since I've been broadcasting, we've always had a stat monitor um in front of us like when i was a student at kansas doing some games we'd have to keep track of, of points and fouls on our little scorecard but but stat monitors were always there but in baseball i don't know i don't know why in baseball we always did it by hand but yeah it's just it's part of it right baseball's kind of 
baseball is still tied to the 19th century in a way. We're in the 21st century. Yeah. And baseball still has ties to the 19th century. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It does, yeah. It, it does. In a I way. love it. And so, and so it's what makes it a remarkable game. But I think, you know, it's just some of those little things are still kind of tied to that. Old, and I love old, I love old that time. we can compare any player, going back to what we were talking about, with, with what we're doing now with the ACL stats. I love that we can now compare any player, any current modern-day player with Ty Cobb. You know? Kind you, of. I mean, well, I mean they, yeah, but you can, you can compare their numbers. I mean, the, the, the I, I realize, bears. I realize the game has changed. I mean, the balls like have changed game. and the bats and everything. Like, I mean, a little different. But I do like that they've kept some of the baseline sure. stats all the way. Through. I mean, when you look at some of Ty Cobb's numbers, those yeah. hits, games Easy. played, I mean, they're ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Pete Rose got how Pete Rose passed Ty Cobb's hit number is insane oh. to me. Ooh, good meet Jeff and Bernie question. Do you think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I do too. I, I, look, I, I get that he was a smug. I, I, I get that he had some real issues with gambling. I think if he would have just admit that he gambled on certain things, I think he'd be fine. But as a baseball player, he des- I think Barry Bonds deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Bar- Barry Bonds is a 500-500 guy, steroids or not. He was already at 500 home runs before he started taking steroids. But he was how, already, how, do, how do we know though? How do we know that? I mean, you if can you see look, the, the, the change in his body didn't happen until he had over 500 home runs. You can see it. You can see the physical nah, transformation I, of the man physically. I mean, he, you can see the 40 pounds of muscle he put on. You can yeah, see that, that his one I, that head one had gotten so much bigger. I mean, you can physically yeah. see it. But I don't remember did. where his number, like, I don't remember I where he was at. You remember when he was with the Pirates in the early 90s? Yes, he was, he was, he was thinning as a rail. He was the best player in baseball. And it, he and Griffey Jr. were the two best players in baseball, yeah. and it really wasn't even close. And he was that way for a decade before he he was upset that McGuire and Sosa were stealing his thunder in the late 90s. Yeah. And that's when he started juicing. And he set crazy records, but I think he was a Hall of Famer before any of that. And let's talk about all the pitchers that were juicing. No one talked about that for the longest time. I mean, you know, those to get your arm back in five days, ready to, yep. to pitch like that. Those mm-hmm. there were probably more when they when they did that study, they found that there were way more pitchers juicing than regular than ball than field yep. players. We could talk about this forever, yeah. but but yeah. pitcher pitchers and hitters. Th- this goes back to when I was in the minor leagues, Bernie. I mean, the number of players in the minor leagues who were doing that. Yeah, well, it was it was insane. But here's why. Here, here's why. Because at the time, this is back in the 90s, 90s. early 2000s, <laughs> yeah. um, the penalties against, you know, the penalties against them didn't outweigh the benefits the of what would happen if they would, because all they would have to do is just get there, just get to the major leagues and get one contract and you're set for life. Whereas the penalties for getting caught for steroids, it was worth it to them. Yeah. It was worth it to them to take the risk to get caught because they knew all they had to do was just get up. Like I got one name on my head, but I can't give it. All he had to do, and he knew it, was get up there and get the contract, yeah. and he did. I've got I've got a question for you. We know what steroids can do to you, your musculature, right? We yeah. know what it can do to your bat speed. It doesn't do anything, as far as I know, for medical evidence to your eyesight and anti coordination. So. Did Barry Bonds get 700 whatever home runs? Would he have gotten 650 probably? 600 without him? Probably. And that's why I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Would he have set the records that he set? No. But he was a Hall of Fame player with or without him. 
but you know, we've entered this this really dark realm. I mean, how is Big Poppy? Right. I mean, that's that's the problem. Slippery slope, right? And we got Noah waiting, so we can we can get yeah, to Noah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah we, we can talk about, about this, this forever. But, no, yeah. but yeah, I mean, if you go Barry Bonds, then where do you stop? Wire, Sosa, Roger Clemens. Yeah. Do you let you let everybody in? I mean, you know. I'm with you. I, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just my opinion. Yeah. All right. Let's let's see what Noah thinks. Hey, Big Noah. <laughs> What's up, brother? What up? Good to finally see you. Can you, you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Where, you, hear? you and Shamar, where, are you in his pool room? I'm in the office. Oh. <laughs> All right. So Noah is coming to us live from Shamar Moore's house. Is is actually in Hollywood? Where are you at? Uh, Sherman Oaks. Sherman Oaks. Okay. I don't know where that's at. <clears throat> well, thanks for coming on. For those who don't know, Noah is currently the number 24 ranked player in the world. Um, we were talking earlier, Noah, because Trey has put together this all-time career wins list chart, which is awesome. So, so you're on it. You've got you've got one national win, one major win, as we were talking about earlier, and um, and then two titles. But uh, number twenty four player in the world. But uh, hey, brother, we've been trying to get you on forever. So thanks for finally joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So what is it like being over? So for people who don't know, Shamar Moore. If you don't watch SWAT Sunday nights on CBS, uh, hit show they just got renewed for their sixth season. And Shamar and the entire, really, I think it's pretty much the entire staff um, and production staff, they all play cornhole. Uh, so much so that I know David and Shamar actually play in a league. I think I think a bunch of them play in a league like on Thursday nights somewhere locally, which is kind of cool. I mean, if you can imagine playing in your local league and all of a sudden a famous actor shows up and plays in your league. But so, all right, so what's it like? You've been on Shamar's a few times. So what's it like out there? And, and I mean, how much do they actually play? And how much do they have time to play? Uh, we while we're here, we play all day. Like, we get a lot of practice in when we come here because that's all we do. But uh, when Shamar ain't got to work, he'll play all day with us all night. <laughs> we stay up late. So he's that into it. Oh yeah, man. They he practices. He, they're all so competitive with uh, like within their group. They all want to beat each other. So any chance they got to practice with us and play with us, they all all for it. They want to play. All right, all right, Noah. I got one question for you. Yes or no, do you get to run lines with Shamar Moore in, about his show? Do you get to practice the lines with him? Nah, he don't really. <laughs> he probably would have. Like, he's offered to take us a couple times, like, to the set and let us watch and stuff. But he don't really. He's good, man. He, he's not, like, he's been telling me, like, he don't rehearse too much. Like, he just, he does it on the spot at the scene. I guess that's why he's so good at what he does. But Talent. He, you don't really rehearse too much. All right. So what's what's a day in the in the life of Noah Wooten like right now? I mean, so you're out in California, you're hanging out with Shamar Moore. So what do you got like how did how did this happen? I mean, do you ever just like pinch yourself and you're like, what the hell's going on? I mean, this is pretty amazing. Uh well, it happened. Uh robot Trey Birchfield. He uh he's seen a video of Shamar throwing bags or something, and he sent him a message on Instagram. So he never never answered them. So Shamar said during the COVID, all of his buddies would come over and they would play bags. He said when they would turn TV on, it would only be darks and cornhole that was on TV <laughs> because of COVID. Yeah. So he said that uh, they kept seeing this kid named Birchfield, Birchfield. So he looked him up on Instagram and he had already sent him a message and he'd seen it. So he just replied to him and he was like, yeah, hey, y'all come. 
And uh, Shamar was like, all right, so this dude's the best player in the world. He thought we was all going to be like 30, 40 years old. <laughs> and it was just five kids that came. <laughs> That's good. He was kind of shocked. He was like, what? <laughs> but you're the best player. <laughs> man, so he, he's fly super guys, cool, man. He's, did, he's cool. Did he They're fly you guys out there? Huh? Did he, did, did, did he fly you guys out there then? Uh, The first time we all just – had a date set. We all just pay for our own, but he has told us to come on a day's notice and pay for everybody's flight. Oh my gosh. He's, That's... he loves cornhole, man. They yeah, love cornhole. All right. So I'm going to get you, I'm going to stay on cornhole because I'm actually a, one of the biggest Noah Wooten fans out there, but I'm also upset with Noah Wooten sometimes as a, as a cornhole player, because for me, myself. talent for talent, you're, as good as any player on this planet, but I wonder where Noah Wooten goes sometimes during the season. And do you think it's just lack of focus? Do you think it's the, the fact that there are so many good players now that it's, if you, if you get off for a little bit, it's kind of hard to get your place back or is it just, Hey, I'll be back in six months. Don't worry about it. I mean, I definitely like, at a point, I was throwing really bad, like for for like a month or two, two three months. But now I'm throwing pretty good. I'm practicing a lot more. But I just like every game, I just find myself slipping, man. Like I just slip up and give up a big round where I don't need to. I I don't know, like. It's, but I'm not losing bad though. You know what I'm saying? I'm I losing know. big I mean, games. You've been, you've been in some. You've been in some big matches for people that don't get to see outside of you know, the broadcast court, you've been in some big matches that are right there. So it's not when, I, when I, what I'm talking about is you're not that far off. But for people like me that think from a talent perspective, we should see you more on television. I just wonder how you feel in your own head about getting back to that point. Yeah, it's all honestly, like I put, at, at a time I wasn't putting the work in like I should have, but now I'm practicing. I don't know. Man. I really think it's just my head, man. I just, for some reason, man, I always just find myself giving up, like just doing stupid stuff when I shouldn't and giving up points, giving up fives and sixes when I shouldn't. It's time It's time to put Noah Wooten on the psychologist couch because of self-sabotage, Jeff. I think so. It's, it's time for a sports psychologist for Noah Wooten. I need something, man. <laughs> I've been throwing all right, though. I, but for there for a while, though, I was like, I don't want to lie to you, man. I was throwing bad. I was mad at myself. I still get mad at myself when I lose, but the, the competition is, is tough now, man. God, it it's is. tough. Like, it is. People, there's a lot of people that's really hard to beat. And the ones that ain't, most of the time, they're going to bring their A game anyway. So yep. if you have any type of bad game at the National, you're most likely going to lose. Yeah, I was. that's a great segue, Noah, because yeah. I was going to ask you, um, and it's something I'd like to, like to ask Jamie – and a few other players also is how much pressure do you guys now feel, even though you're a you're a young guy, still part of kind of the old guard here of cornhole. How much pressure do you guys feel to practice and compete and train to try and keep up with all these you know younger players and rookie class? Uh, like honestly, for me, it ain't that much pressure, man, because. It used to be, like when I was at the very top of my game and I was winning all the time, it was a lot of pressure because everybody had a target on my head. But now all the big players are, uh, you know, it's just Noah. So I'm, I'm cool <laughs> with it. But they, it, you definitely, 
But me though, I don't look at all the rookies that's in the in the pro group. I don't I don't look at them as rookies because I majority ninety nine percent of them already knew them, already played against them on the, just like within money tournaments or opens or whatever. Yeah. So I don't really look at them like rookies. I just look at the talent. So experience has got a lot to do with it, but at the end of the day, it's still cornhole. So I just think that people that just come from cornhole they'll adjust easily. Right. It, but it does seem like with some of the guys, like especially some of the younger kids and younger than yourself, when you're that age, you don't think of things in, in larger terms. And what I mean by that is, you know, for someone like a Matthew Creek killer, I don't think Matthew's ever, at least at this age, is going to be too far in his own head about what he's doing. For him, it's bag in hand, put bag in hole, right? Like It's not overly complicated, you know, for someone that might be a little older, that might be playing and, and worried about, you know, if they're going to make some money, you know, does that make any sense? Like that makes I a lot of sense. Of that- that definitely, definitely has a lot to do with it. Like it's like from the money standpoint, you know, everybody ain't as well off as everybody as far as, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Some people might have to struggle to get there or whatever. And then when you're, when you're that young, you don't, you don't got to think about that first off. And then yeah. you like, you don't think about hotel reservation. You don't think about getting a <laughs> rental car. You don't think right. about getting food. Yeah. Sure. But like I talked to Creek Killer, speaking to him, I talked to him yesterday, and he said uh, he he swiped up on my story or something. He was like, "Man, I want to come to Airmail City." I said, "You come?" Uh, I said, "Come tomorrow." He was like, "Man, I don't even know how to fly by myself." There that's what go. he told me. There you go. I mean, that's a perfect example. So all their all those players, all they're doing is thinking cornhole, and that's got to make it so much easier in a way. To a point, yeah, I, I would say yeah. Hey Noah, so, all right. So going back to, and I, th- I think that's the realization that a lot of you guys are also reaching now as well with your careers is that, while yes, at the end of the day we're talking about cornhole, also at the end of the day it's no different, man. It's no different than if you're a major league pitcher or whether you're an offensive lineman. You've got to focus on every single shot. I was watching a baseball game last night. I was watching the Braves. Watching our Braves last night, taking on the Nationals, right? And that's one at like twelve to two. All it takes is to lose your focus for just a second, and all of a sudden you got a couple guys on behind you, right? Two bad pitches, you got two guys on. Next one, you know, it's it's a double, and now you're giving up two runs. I mean, just like that. And and cornhole is no different. So no how different do how do you prevent that big inning? I mean, how do you, how do you prevent that big run? I mean, is that something that you're trying to focus on? I mean, try, I mean, literally, it, it, I get it. It's cornhole. But are you getting to the point where you like you're like, holy shit, I've got I've got to start focusing on every freaking bag? Uh, yeah, I definitely catch myself, especially rushing, getting in a hurry. I, I I catch myself a lot doing that. But I don't I don't know. I say that's my worst thing though, just getting in a hurry and just like especially when it's easy, and I just don't focus and just let up just a little bit, and you end up shanking and giving up points or. When you could have had easy point, so I, I don't know, man. That's uh, it's tough. It's tough. Perfect example of what you're talking about, Jeff. Did you guys watch the end of the Masters with Scotty Scheffler? Yeah. Had a six shot lead. He said, "I saw the interview yesterday. The first time he let up in his focus all week was on the 18th green, and he four putted because he yep. knew he had six or five shots to give. He knew, you know, he just kind of quit paying attention, and a guy of that talent ends up four putting." Because he quit focusing. And Bernie, I'm not. I, I I'm not gonna. I, I I called it. 
and literally you can ask Kathy, you, you, you can ask Kathy because we watched to the very end. And I told her, I said, when he walked up to the 18th, he got to the edge of the 18th green and he looked back down the fairway. Right. And you could, and you could tell at that moment he lost his focus and he was like, wow, I can't believe where I'm at. I can, I can I told sit on Kathy, this green said, about said, 10 times and still win. I, I told Kathy, I said, I know this sounds ridiculous, but this is not over. I said, this is going to be a struggle for him. And sure enough, it was. Yeah. But again, it goes back to what we're talking about in the focus. Yeah. I mean, you, you, Noah, you are. I, I, we can all laugh about it. But, you, but at the end of the day, you guys are now making the money. A million dollars on the line this season. You're a professional athlete. Yeah, you you definitely. And cornhole, to me, is a lot different than most sports because basketball, you lose focus. You might give up a three. You know what I'm saying? You give up a little run. Yeah. You got minutes to get it back. And cornhole, if you give up your focus and give up a nine spot, then you gave up half the game. Yep. So cornhole is definitely one of the you really have to focus, focus like you can't. And I, and I would say that's to your point. I would say that's if there is a separation between some of the elite players and then some of the players that are, you know, maybe down the ladder a little bit, even in the pro division, is their ability to stay focused for an entire game and not even an entire game an entire weekend. And that's another thing. You're not just playing one or two games, you know, to get to the broadcast court, you're playing all day. You're playing all weekend. And so, you know, you might lose. I, there's no way I could do it. Someone like me could never succeed. There's no way. Cause my mind would wander. I'd be gone. And all it would take was the one bad match. Then I'd be mad. Another bad match. Then I'm watching like everybody else. I used to I used to beat myself up about it when I lose at nationals a lot, man. But now I just I just play so much cornhole that it's not like I don't look at a national like for what it is, honestly. Like I just think it's another tournament, you know what another I'm saying? Yeah. Like I play these guys all the time on, on the circuit, so I'm like it's just another tournament. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> so I don't beat myself up about it too much anymore. I probably should, but <laughs> don't. Don't do it. Plenty of time later in life to beat yourself up. Trust me. I just well, get mad if I let my partner down. You've got other uh, you've got other distractions going on now as well with the whole contraband thing. But before before we talk about that, time to throw you down on the couch because we did the same thing with Jamie Graham. So Bernie Bernie was joking about it, but seriously. So all right, something that we talk about with the players, and it doesn't matter whether you're a golfer or whether you play tennis or like you said in basketball or in cornhole is battling the self-talk in your head. What 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 voices do you hear, and what are you talking to yourself about when you're playing? Don't give up a big round. My worst one is if I start the game with, like, a couple four-baggers, three or four four-baggers, in my head, I, every time it'll go to, you know, I don't think I missed one. <laughs> Showing up, the next one will be... <laughs> But yeah, that's why I try to tell myself just don't give up big rounds because I'm I'm bad for it. I throw sticky bags up, so if I mess up just a little bit, it's probably gonna be some trouble. Come yeah. with it. Yeah, but I like to block though, so I like I like trying to get big rounds. I like my I like to get more than I give up. So I just all right, all right, here you go. That that just brings me to something, Noah, that Jeff and I have argued about. Jeff is fairly adamant that the average sports fan on television would much prefer to see a hole-for-hole type game. And there's some validity to that. But as a player, I think I know you prefer a little bit more of a dirty game. What, what do you think about that opinion that the average fan probably likes 
the hole for hole game more than the dirty game. What do you think is better for TV? That's the question. <laughs> Definitely a dirty game. Uh-huh. That's better I for mean, TV. But, but if it's if it's two people that slide and shoot, if they're shooting a lot of air mills, a lot of air mill drags, stuff like that, it could be tit for tat. But I definitely think with some rolls and air mills, people blocking, maybe yeah. people that don't understand cornhole would be like, uh, I don't like they wouldn't like that. They would like hole for hole. But I say it's probably tit for tat, honestly. But because a lot of people that don't know cornhole. Yeah. Well, and that and that that's that's what where I feel like our directive this year, and we've talked about this a few times, Noah. I don't, I don't want I don't want to talk too much about Trey and I on the broadcast in ESPN, but but that's where our directive <laughs> this year is is we need to do a good job of explaining what you guys are trying to do, because if someone's watching at home and you guys are trying to throw these blocks and 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 it misses the hole, people need to understand. Wait, wait a second. Why did he not put it in the hole? What is he doing? You know, and and when you go for an airmail and you miss, or you know, you're trying to go, you know, I don't know, you're trying to 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 roll over a bag, right? And it rolls off the side of the board. I mean, people need to know why you guys are are shooting those shots. I th- I feel like the pressure then falls on us to be able to explain that a little bit more. Yeah, that definitely, because like people that wouldn't understand, like don't know cornhole, they would definitely rather just be like, oh, he should have went in, he should have went in. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't he putting them all in? Yeah. (laughs) There's Tony. We got Tony Smith in the background. (laughs) There's me, me, Tony, Hunter, and Trey out here right now. One more. Nice. Tell the boys to say hi. All right. One more couch question for you. So, who who is in you and I have never really dug in too deep about your past, but so who, who is your inspiration? Like right now, who is your inspiration? What keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? Man. Jeff will do I don't it. Oh, really? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm different, man. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't really say I got too much of an inspiration. Cause, like, I mean, like, I got good parents. You know what I'm saying? My parents raised me, raised me to be a good person. But I mean, I wouldn't never say I want to be like my daddy, man. My daddy's different. You know what I'm saying? He's 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 a marine, so I wouldn't want to be like my daddy. I was probably like my, I hung out with my granddad a lot when I was a kid. Probably my grandma. Probably my grandma. That, that's why I, I strive to be good in cornhole with my grandma. She got cancer though. So then hospice done started coming to my house. Uh, it's tough. See people get old, man. Yeah, it's difficult. So why do you not want to be like your dad? He's a Marine. I mean, my dad just, man, you had to meet him, man. My dad is different, man. <laughs> He's a different cat. Yeah, kick my ass. <laughs> nah, I mean he ain't no, he ain't an asshole. He's a cool dude. He has a good time. He plays cornhole. See, he he's just different. I, I had uh I got six siblings, five siblings. There's six of us. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I got I got ten times more whooping than all my siblings combined. <laughs> I guarantee you. I was bad as a kid, man. Where, I was so where, bad. Where do you fit in the line of uh, brothers and sisters? I got one older brother. But I got one younger sister. And then the rest of them, younger brother. I just had my brother out here. He, uh, My younger brother, he's still in high school and stuff, man. He wanted to come out here for spring break, so I brought him. 
and he was supposed to go home Sunday so he could go to school. And Shamar was like, man, he's staying, he's staying. They had the 100th episode or whatever on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, he's staying, he's staying. So I was like, all right, man. So I let him stay. <laughs> had to send him home yesterday morning. <laughs> Hey, no, unfortunately with this damn show, we, we've only got, we've only got like a, a, a certain window we got to hit. So we got like 30 seconds left. We'll have oh, you on yeah. again. We'll talk about contraband. One last question. All right. So you All talked right. about your childhood. What's the worst thing you ever did as a kid? Worst thing I ever did as a kid. Yeah, man. You said you're a bad kid. I was, but see, I was just, I was bad at school, but like I wasn't to the point where I get expelled or nothing like that. I, I was just so, I was blurred out. I was disrespectful, man. I was just bad. Like, <laughs> I, we, me and my cousin would take our four wheelers and dirt bikes and jump them off the top of shit. Like, <laughs> we was bad, man. We would take our shit down the, down the road, running from police, 12, 13 years old. We was, my cousin was really like provoked all that shit, and I was just always in his house. So. <laughs> and now, and now, all you're doing is is traveling out to Southern California and uh, throwing air mails off of someone's roof. So really, yeah, that was pretty tough, man. My arm so hurt really, the next day. Really, man. has anything changed? My arm still hurts from that. <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, I love I love uh, being able to catch up with you. And uh, again, you don't realize this probably, but you and Matt Sorrells and Jamie were the three who I talked to when I first came into sports. So thank you for always being kind to me, being patient with me, for your honesty. And uh, appreciate your friendship, brother. We'll see you out in Salt, Salt Lake City. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. All right, All right. Noah. Enjoy Go Jayhawks. Enjoy <laughs> yes. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Oh, we didn't even get to that. Oh, that and lucky Bernie, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you. Hi, Bernie. We'll see you guys. Bye, y'all. Right, Bye, guys.